Well, welcome to another of these videos uh, where we're thinking about the church and we're seeking to grow a bigger vision of Jesus and a bigger vision of his church. And I'm here with a good friend of mine, Leslie Shu, who's vicar of two rural parishes in Suffolk. Leslie, great to have you here with us. Nice to be with you. Nice to join you on your little video and podcast. Fantastic. Nice one. Well, we're going to talk about a few different things as always. We'll, we'll get Leslie's thinking about uh, church. What is church? Uh, we'll reflect a little bit about what we've been learning in lockdown, uh, as well as uh, talking about what it what it means to or what it looks like to oversee a couple of churches. But Leslie, start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm Leslie, uh, married to Mel. We've got five kids. Uh, we've been here in Suffolk um, for just over two years. Uh, prior to that, we were in Stoke-on-Trent, where I served my curacy, uh, trained in Oxford, and uh, before that, lived in London. Uh, that's where we met. That's where we went to university. That's where I met Sam. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of us. Um, we live in a village now. It's... Um, pretty rural it's small uh it's 2,000 odd people in the village we live in uh and the, the second church that I oversee is in a village of 200 um and that that's really small so yeah a little different from uh, the London days right yeah a little bit different um when I got here I, I was saying to people that um it, it, there are single buildings in Hong Kong which hold more which, which where I spent my childhood which hold more people than this whole village added together uh so it's a little bit bonkers uh but yeah Whoa, because uh, when we were in London as well, we, we, we both had W1 addresses, didn't we? Although yeah. our places were, were probably not much bigger than this room. No, no. Actually, when I, when I first moved to London, I think you did you have you had uh, just Daniel, your older, oldest yeah, child. That's right. When we first uh, met and then you had your, your second child uh, yeah. there as well. Uh, but you were in a very small flat with, with four people, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was small, but you know, you make do with what you got, and uh, we we're thankful. Uh, we, we loved our time in London, actually. It was really great meeting people, serving the Lord, growing. Uh, yeah, it was a really influential time in our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, good news the churches in all kinds of places, mega cities, little small mm. villages, wonderful. Yeah. Well, look, Leslie, you know, a question I like to ask everyone uh, who, who comes on this what is church? Yeah, it's a good question. We're talking about it, uh, just reflecting on the question uh, being asked earlier. And it, it's a really simple question uh, with, in some senses, a really simple answer, uh, but with huge depth to it. Uh, what is the church? It's, it's the family of God. It's the people of uh, the Lord Jesus uh, who know him and who receive his love uh, and who are called to, to love one another. Um, and I think that word family is really important. Uh, so often our experience of family and of relationships is is so shallow uh, so broken uh, and uh, just not great really uh, and and the danger is that we we import our broken fallen understandings and experiences of family and relationships into church life and we think all oh, right well church must be a bit like that then rather than uh, looking to the scriptures and seeing uh, the family of God uh, in, in all its beauty and splendor, uh, looking at the relationship that the Father and the Son and the Spirit share and saying, right, let, let's move in the other direction and let's let um, the Lord God influence and shape the, the way we think of family uh, and uh, how we think of uh, love and receiving of his love. 
Um, it's things like um, uh, a love which is genuinely offered with no expectation of return. So much of our, our relationships and family life is so transactional. Uh, even when we don't want it to be, oh, they got me this, oh, so I better get them something back. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so easy for us to treat, you know, the, the Lord God like that. It's so easy for us to treat each other in the church family like that. Uh, but if, if church is the family of God, uh, people sharing together in the divine life, uh, then I think that would look wildly different. You know, not just a facade, not superficial relationships, uh, but a genuine care and concern for one another. Uh, and we just want to know our Father in heaven more and more and more. Uh, we want to uh, hold on more to life that Jesus shows us and offers us. Uh, we want to live more by the Spirit. Uh, and, and that, I think, is, is church, um, uh, where we're just captivated by who God is. Uh, and we want to live uh, his life in, in, you know, in our interactions with him and with one another. Oh, that's brilliant. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking as you were, you, you were talking there, uh, in, in our church family, we've, we've got members who lost the, their earthly families. Mm. You know, they've had to move out of uh, another religion and yeah. face persecution from their families if they go, if they go back. And I, c- I can actually remember, uh, I think it was a couple of, a couple of years ago, perhaps it was last year, I can't remember now actually, but um, were some of our church family actually uh, from, from one particular country wrote a letter together where, where they said we've lost our earthly families but you are our family you are church are our, our new family and it was such a powerful moment when when the, when they uh, when they shared that I was just thinking as well like we we had a uh, I, I got a a text from a, a vicar in uh, another part of the UK a couple of days ago uh, and he said, you know, one of our church members have, has, has been moved to, to, to Manchester, anything you can do. And anyway, it turns out they, they lived a mile away from where we are and right. he's connected into our, our church family. I was like, whoa, you know, wow, there is this national global family, uh, the church. Wonderful thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, Jesus says it. Who are my mother and, and my brothers and my sisters? You know, it's these people who who hold to the word of the Lord. Uh, who put their trust in him we have one heavenly father we share the same spirit and i think that global aspect of it is so big isn't it when uh, you can meet a christian uh, from from another country uh, maybe just for a short time or maybe they've moved into the area and you know that you're of kindred spirits you share in that same family uh, even though you've got nothing else in common uh, you've got jesus and that's that's everything so yeah it's brilliant isn't it yeah. so good so good so this vision of church as, as the family of God and of course we could say so much more but the family of God how, how does that vision of church play out in your in your context yeah uh, I think um uh, it definitely um when we think of family so often um it's an insular thing and uh, well it depends on your culture I guess but certainly in, in uh, uh, our experience here in, in uh, the UK so often family is about me and my family unit and uh, at events like Christmas well, well we'll leave everything else and everyone else and we'll go to our families mm. uh, whereas when we think about the family of God it's it's not an insular inward looking one but it's it's outward looking uh, which is what, how I think it kind of connects with that whole global family uh, feel as well so it's not just me and my local church family um, and so here uh, where I'm at uh, there's, as I mentioned earlier, two uh, villages, uh, 2,200, and there's two parish churches. Uh, we're quite close geographically, 
um, uh, uh, but um, also in, in many ways quite different. Um, uh, but the thing that I've been trying to help uh, our church family to see uh, across the two churches is that we, we really are one family. Um, although we may have slightly different personalities, so to speak, we, we might have slightly different preferences of, you know, kind of exactly what sort of music we like um, uh, or, or uh, how repetitive we like our liturgy to be or not to be. Actually, at the heart and the fundamental uh, kind of core of it all is that we, we are one family. Um, and, you know, however we like our music, we want our music to speak of and to exalt the name of Christ. Uh, whether our, our prayers and our liturgies are repetitive or different every week, we want to speak to and hold on to and cling to um, our loving and generous Heavenly Father. So, so things may be a bit different on the surface, um, but our unity really is uh, much deeper than that. Uh, and holds us uh, together uh, and and I think that begins to help us to navigate uh, some of those differences and some of the challenges that face uh, that we face uh, as we interact and engage with other Christians so often um, uh, Christians and denominations can get into petty squabbles uh, we, we fight over such trivial stuff and when you stop and think about it you're just like man what, what must the Lord be thinking uh, you know, what must the world be thinking as they look on uh, on the church uh, and a uh, family squabbling over a really such trivial things? Um, but but yeah, the Lord uh, unites us and holds us together. You know, ac across these two churches, uh, and says, you know, the most important thing is that you're holding together, uh, following Jesus uh, as one family. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think one of the fundamental uh, truths about family is it's it's different people who are supposed to be <laughs> united mm. um, and obviously with, with our kind of earthly families blood families you, you you're put together aren't you? You, you you're born into that that family yeah if you're the children well, with churches you know often uh, you know we're not blood related uh, there's very different kinds of people different cultures different ages different backgrounds different hobbies all of that Talk, maybe talk to us a little bit more about just how how, how you kind of navigate that that, that issue of difference mm. in unity. <laughs> yeah, um, I think a, a lot of it is recognizing that um, you know, even as I lead a church, uh, even for for our team of leaders. Uh, we are not impervious to those temptations as well. So it's not just, oh yeah, that church has got its own preferences and that church has got its own preferences and I'm trying to help them to resolve it. I think a big part of it is recognizing that, you know what, I'm contributing to that mess as well. Um, and uh, trying to, as best I can, uh, to, to set aside, you know, my own preferences mm -hmm. uh, and to say, uh, you know, what is genuinely going to best serve the people of God? What is best going to help us to love one another? Uh, what is best going to help us to share that love with others? Um, and, and what is God calling us to? Um, uh, as we study the scriptures together, as we grow to be more like him, um, it, that really does include myself as well. Um, and, and I think that goes a long way to um, creating a culture where we're genuinely listening to one another's concerns uh, mm -hmm. listening to one another's preferences but then being able to um, uh, kind of um, let go of for ourselves and help others to let go of 
um, what is ultimately personal preference mm-hmm. and, and to hold on to uh, the, the priorities of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and I think kind of connected with that is when we grow to be more uh, amazed at Jesus and his mission and his goal and his aim, then I think these other concerns will, will fade away. So, so it's easy just to tell someone, well, stop worrying about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not really going to work. Um, it's as we're captivated by Jesus, then, then those other personal concerns will just naturally fade away and we'll think, well, you know, so what about the music? Uh, so what about um, uh, this or that little thing? Because Jesus is wonderful. And as long as we uh, honor him, uh, that's my great passion and desire in life. So, so I think that right perspective, holding up Christ um, and then um, recognizing our own sinfulness and weakness and um, temptations uh, will lead into that sense of unity, family, uh, serving one another, even across yeah, two quite different churches. Hmm. So you're saying that as we, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and behold his glory and his goodness and his beauty, that some of those personal preference issues that can so often be the main cause of disunity, actually we're able to lay, lay those things down. Like how, how, do you, how do you help your congregations to capture that vision of Jesus? Yeah, um, well, we do want the, the, the prophets and the law and what the scriptures have always done. Uh, we, we call people to worship and to pray. Uh, we call people to study the scriptures. Uh, we call people to, to put it into practice. Um, and, and I think um, our gathered services on Sundays are a huge part of that. Um, as we gather together uh, and as we worship alongside one another, uh, that I think builds that sense of relationship and that common purpose and that goal. Uh, and then as we pray together, uh, prayer is this you know, amazing way of uh, aligning our will with the will of God. Uh, as we pray, uh, kind of, uh, I guess what's going on in our hearts is we're saying uh, in, in different ways and with different words, your kingdom come and, and your will be done. Uh, and so as we pray together, I think um, it's, it's very difficult to pray together as, as a church family and to pray for me and my wants and desires. Um, uh, we're kind of forced naturally to uh, exalt Christ and, and seek uh, his kingdom. So, so I think kind of just doing the normal things of church, uh, there's nothing spectacular about it, uh, but this is God's given way of, of changing our hearts. Uh, we we uh, sing his praise. Uh, we, we open the word and we allow it to speak to us. And, and to change our hearts uh, as we uh, see Jesus walk off the pages of scripture. Uh, and yeah, we pray together. Uh, we break bread together. Uh, we remember all that Jesus has done for us and laying down his life. Um, and, and that kind of just regular pattern of uh, uh, church life. Uh, and not just on Sundays, I guess there's been some focus on that in, in what I've been saying, but it, it is just um, shared life together. Acts 2 is brilliant. You read it and you think, <laughs> these guys shared everything in common. Uh, they met together daily and they were praying and uh, uh, their lives were just completely intertwined. I think as we share life and uh, obey God's command in that way. Um, uh, so, yeah, so a big part of it is encouraging a church family to to study scriptures together, to pray together, uh, encouraging families just to spend time together um, and kind of connect to that. I was thinking about Ruth chapter one the other day and um, uh, the, the conversation between Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. And I think it's amazing that the Bible records for us these, these kind of quite mundane conversations 
these mundane relationships. Um, but actually, they're not mundane at all. Uh, he, here is uh, love shown to one another, uh, a sacrificial giving of themselves to one another. And, and through that kind of relationship, particularly between Naomi and Ruth, uh, but which Orpah was caught up into, you know, God does an amazing thing in their lives and in the lives of all Israel, um, just through kind of quite, quite normal conversation and love. Um, and uh, we can, I think, quite easily... Uh, make light of those small conversations those those little acts of kindness N not just in a worldly sense but in a genuine christian love and sacrifice you know th those little relationships god works through those uh to shape and to change us and so so my, yeah our, our encouragement our, our hope and prayer for us as a church is that we would kind of pursue that relationship that love um that that intertwining of lives uh day by day uh, as well as week by week on a sunday Brilliant. Thanks, Leslie. Uh, I was just thinking about a book that I read last year. It's uh, by a lady called Megan Hill. Uh, I think it's called The Place We Belong. I will have to, uh, I'll have to double check that. I think I've got that wrong, actually. But reflections on church. And what, one thing that she says in that is that church is ordinary people doing predictable practices, mm -hmm. i.e. the things that you just talked about. But that gathered worship is heaven on earth. Yeah. Is that your experience? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. is. You know, um, we're in a time of lockdown um, and we've lost so many things. But actually, as long as we've got church fellowship, it, it, in, you know, in some way, shape or form, I know that some churches aren't able to gather in quite the same way. Actually, most all churches aren't. Uh, but but we're, we're connecting in, in, in some way. And actually, as long as I feel like as long as we've got that, <laughs> everything else um, will kind of be OK. Uh, as long as we've got the church family together, because it is heaven on earth. Uh, some people kind of wonder, oh, what will it be like in heaven? And we know, obviously, the cliche of floating around in clouds and playing on harps isn't the thing. But, but what is heaven going to be like? It's going to be like church <laughs> where we, we spend time together. Uh, we worship God in his presence and, and we just enjoy life together. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, doing the predictable things uh, is, is a taste of heaven, uh, is a wonderful uh, uh, way of describing what uh, church is. Um, uh, we're experiencing the resurrection of divine life uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, yeah, brilliant. Love that. Um, oh, fantastic. I mean, there might be people watching this or, or, or listening to this and thinking, actually, well, I, I don't think that. That's not my experience of, of a Sunday. What might you say to, to them? Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, we do want to be kind of, uh, we do want to recognize that we nevertheless still do live in a fallen world. Uh, we still live in these fallen bodies. Um, and uh, our experience of, of uh, uh, a taste of heaven now isn't the perfect taste, uh, which is, I guess, kind of what makes us uh, long for heaven, uh, because uh, we know that it will be uh, infinitely better. Uh, not that our experience now is, is nothing, but it, it will be better and it'll be greater. Uh, and so I guess, um, you know, where we do struggle with church, where, where our taste of church fellowship isn't what it should be. Um, I, I guess two things. One is uh, to, to be patient. Uh, let's be patient with our, our brothers, our sisters in the church. Um, it, it's easy 
to i guess be just really critical you know i i should be you know church should be like this wonderful picture of uh the life of god and, and it's not and and rather than leading to frustration i guess um yeah we, we should be patient as the lord is patient with us um you know he, he doesn't um uh look down and uh, uh and despair but he looks down uh with patient grace uh working in us so that more and more over time we will uh taste uh and live that life uh, more so i think patience firstly um and then secondly i think um kind of trying to pursue um what how do we grow the church and our church relationships to be more and more like that uh, well it's doing those predictable things <laughs> don't give up meeting together uh, as we're told in Hebrews, uh, commit to uh, serving and caring for others uh, and praying for one another uh, in the hope, uh, in the sure and certain hope uh, that God is working in his people and he will shape us and mold us to be to be more and more like him. Uh, but it, yeah, it's slow. It's slow. The Lord is patient uh, as in ways that you know far outweigh our patience. He works in years and in generations, uh, whereas we like to think, you know, if I've waited a year, I'm being really patient. Uh, but the Lord really works in generations. And so, so let's be patient as he is. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. That's so helpful. Uh, Bonhoeffer, I think, talks about the danger of having wish dreams about, about church. He talks about that in, in life together. And that's worth a little, little read and getting frustrated about why, why is church not the way that I want it to be? Mm. But I really like what you were saying there. And that how do we actually contribute to building our, our, our local churches into uh, the, the places that uh, they're, they're meant to be, into you know more faithful reflections of uh, of God's heart for for church, and and I'm I'm thinking as well about just the importance of prayer and just our need for the Spirit, you know, the Spirit who is the deposit guarantee, you know, of our inheritance. Yeah. And you know, I never tire of of those early chapters of Acts where we see the Spirit come upon those church leaders. Uh, and what happens? Well, Peter gets up and preaches Christ from the Psalms. It's like, that's mm. the first thing. Yeah. Um, let's get Jesus preached from all the scriptures. And then what kind of, what kind of church? Loads of people obviously repent and turn to Christ. And what kind of a church does the spirit produce? It, it's, as you say, uh, just these, these regular people engaged in these very predictable practices of prayer, breaking bread sharing their life together and all their possessions and devoting themselves to the apostles teaching to the scriptures yeah, yeah. Right. it's not rocket science church life is it yeah it's, what's god's given to us uh, and how can we be about doing those things together yeah um, and as well as that kind of i think some of our temptation is to change the world uh, and we want to change the whole church uh, whereas i think uh, and yeah which is <laughs> not a, a a bad thing to long for a hopeful uh, but the way in which that happens is, you know, a person at a time. Uh, so if, so if we're finding that we're struggling uh, and we, we don't feel like we're, we're in a church family uh, that, that really captures that faithfully and well, um, you know, well, actually, just on that point, don't leave. <laughs> don't leave the church. Don't give up on the church. Keep persevering. You know, I know it's hard uh, and it can be really hard, but keep persevering. Uh, and in that perseverance, you know, it's a person at a time, you know, one relationship at a time. Invest in one or two individuals who you can just draw alongside and uh, offer to meet up with them and ask, you know, say, you know, I, I value someone to meet with and to pray with and to, to, to try to foster something of 
this this uh, love and this care which we see in the scriptures. You know, how about we we you know just try to commit to, to do capturing a little sense of that in this little relationship in the church, um, mm-hmm. rather than thinking, oh, what can we do to change everything? You know, one person at a time, one relationship at a time. That's really helpful, Leslie. Thanks so much. Now, you and I uh, are both uh, vicars in the Church of England, and we've both been given responsibility for two churches. Mm-hmm. People might have heard of, of pastors or vicars or ministers overseeing several churches, and perhaps some people's idea of that is, oh, well, that's when, when churches go into decline uh, or perhaps maintenance mode, where you've got just one person overseeing two or three or four I've heard of nine or ten churches being overseen by one vicar or minister. And, you know, I think my perception for a long time was, or I guess my experience for a long time was, yes, that was situations of maintenance or, or decline even. And it was quite sad. But I think what I've, what I've come to see uh, is that it also can be a missional move, a positive missional move, where churches are being planted um, and, and you've got, you know, uh, someone overseeing. So talk to us a little bit about your experience of overseeing two churches, and uh, what that means for your role and kind of your day-to-day, what, what do you kind of give your, your time to uh, in that context? Yeah, um, I think, <laughs> yeah, as you point out, seven or eight or nine is, is not that uncommon. So two uh, really is uh, quite a small number where I am in our diocese. Uh, to just have two churches is something of, a, a, a luxury but as you say i think there is something that can be uh, uh, very powerful and positive about um uh the oversight over multiple churches and that kind of uh, direction uh, which uh, much of the church and church of england has already moved in and is is moving more towards um i i think you point out the danger of it being maintenance mode um i, I think that's a very real danger because uh if it is about uh, the vicar and all that the vicar does then inevitably uh, spreading and diluting their ministry across multiple churches isn't going to be helpful but the, the danger there is thinking only in terms of the ministry of the vicar uh, the minister there as important as that role is uh, the, the bible clearly uh, has a, a place for uh, leaders um, for, for people to take particular responsibility over uh, families and and church families uh, as important as that role is actually there needs to be a recognition that this is the the life and the ministry of the church uh, we are all engaged in uh, discipleship in uh, looking uh, to Christ and living more like him uh, we are all engaged in that work of encouraging and building one another up uh, we are all engaged in uh, the act of mission and evangelism and sharing Christ with others uh, it really isn't just about the work and uh, the, the um, ministry of, of one vicar uh, and and so kind of um, you know, it was highlighted to me quite early on, actually, in, in lockdown. I had to make um, uh, uh, quite a number of decisions when lockdown first came in. And I thought, right, I- I'm going to try call everyone uh, in the two churches. Um, and I reckon that, you know, every couple of weeks I'll be able to call them all. Hmm. About three weeks in, I'd made it through half the list. And I, realized I-, I just do not have the capacity as an individual to care for every single person that, that just really highlighted it to me and, and I, it kind of just helps us remember help me remember that the ministry of the church is 
uh, the church's responsibility. We all have, although some individuals may have particular responsibility, it is the, the responsibility of the whole church to care for one another. Uh, and that is a right and a good thing. Uh, and we see that pattern throughout the Bible. Um, uh, those in charge of tens and fifties and hundreds, um, uh, even in the life of the apostles and the way they trained up and, and, and sent others. Um, and, and so uh, I think, um, um, yeah, going back to your question finally of overseeing multiple churches and, and how that can be a positive thing is that I think it forces us to um, look to the ministry of the church for the church and for the world. Uh, it is God's people, the family, are all serving in their different ways. You know, we're not all supposed to be the same. You know, in a, in a family, you might expect a child to help out occasionally with the dishwasher. Uh, but it wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't expect them to do that in the same way as you'd, you'd expect an adult. Uh, uh, you wouldn't expect the 75-year-old the uh, granddad to, to do quite the same things as, you know, uh, the 16-year-old the teenager. We all have our different roles to play, but we are all contributing together uh, to the life and to the work of, of God's family, to the church. Uh, so, so I think that's probably, um, I think that the big thing in, in overseeing multiple churches is it is about equipping, enabling, uh, and uh, uh, freeing God's people uh, to serve in the way that God has called them to rather than ha, my job my task my responsibility sure. help us to understand what that uh, means for you then or what it looks like for you uh, yep. you, you rightly say everyone in the church family is contributing using their God-given gifts mm. um, we've got you know overseers have got these particular roles of, of equipping and enabling and, and teaching and um, what does that look like on the ground for you you know day by day yeah yeah so um we've got a, a, a great team a kind of an official team of of elders leaders um and within the church in context uh, uh, for those who are interested it's we've got one lay reader a licensed lay minister uh, who also works with the methodist circuit and then a couple of uh, elders uh, as well uh, and so there is a bit of a team that kind of helps with the um i guess oversight and with the the practical um delivery of uh leading services of preaching mm. across the two churches uh, as well as that you know church wardens in the church of england context uh, are great in, in taking on particular roles uh, and administrative things but as well as that kind of just being a, a welcome and a support and encouragement to others um, home groups are a big part of what we do here. Um, we have quite a number of home groups and, and uh, we're trying to help uh, equip and train those who lead home groups to see that they, they really do have quite a significant role in uh, caring pastorally, in, in encouraging discipleship, uh, but also for those home groups to, to take part in missional activity. You know, as a home group, how can you serve those that you know? It doesn't always have to be church-wide activities, but in smaller uh, uh, clusters and groups uh, uh, let's live uh, the life of the church uh, together and let's live christian discipleship including uh, mission evangelism so i think it's uh, about um giving people opportunities uh, to serve and to to um, um to take responsibility uh, and, and that can sometimes be quite difficult um we love to think about people's qualifications and skills and giftings uh, and um, often uh, churches have done uh, gift exercises you know write down what you think your gifts are and then uh, according to your gifts we'll try to assign you to certain roles as if you've got to be good at something in order to do it and on one level you know we can kind of understand that the lord does gift and give particular skills and abilities 
but actually, you know, why don't we send people who have no gifting? You know, Moses says, oh, I don't even know how to speak. Uh, and the Lord sends him to speak. Um, and he calls some fishermen to change the world uh, because that's what the Lord does. It's in our weaknesses that his strength is uh, magnified and made clear for all to see. Uh, and, and so I think that there needs to be a culture within our church of saying, you know, who's willing who has a heart to serve and who is God calling, uh, not on the basis of their gifts and sk skills, uh, but based of their heart and their willingness uh, and their love for people. Uh, and then we trust that the Lord will equip and gift uh, uh, those people uh, to serve. So I think it's about empowering people and saying, um, you know, as a child of God, what is your calling in serving the family of God and in serving and reaching out to the world? Um, mm. Fantastic. And so do, do, do you think for you then as a, a vicar and a preacher, you're going for people's affections, mm. not just the calendars, if you like? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Their affections is great. And um, it brings to mind someone, uh, something someone said to me a few years ago is that we often find someone uh, who, who uh, knows how to do technology. To, to manage the projectors and the, the audio systems at church as long as they know the tech stuff we don't care anything about their spiritual hearts uh, and the guy challenged me to say actually just think uh, how, how significant a role that is in the public gathered worship of the church uh, do you really want to fob it off to anyone who knows how to press a few keys and it just got me thinking actually, yeah uh, th these roles are important and significant uh, and people don't need to have to be perfectly holy that's not what we're asking for as well uh, so that's not you know we're not just exchanging worldly uh, um, uh, characteristics for an unhealthily uh, holy one no we're, we're just saying we want people who humbly love the lord and want to serve him and those are the people that we want to uh, um, um, give opportunities to uh, and to enable them and, and to call them to, to serve in different ways uh, so yeah definitely their affections you know how much do they love the lord and love people that's i think got to be our first question that we ask when we think about uh, recruiting people for any sort of role that's brilliant. And, and and also just thinking about, you know, we, we do want these church families where everyone's serving. And I guess there's one danger, which is uh, thinking about that just in terms of Sundays. Mm. Get everyone on the rotors for Sundays. And uh, I think there's a danger in that, you know, churches is our life together with Jesus. But Sundays do matter. And I think Sundays are a, a really uh, important part of, of church life. Um, and learning to serve on Sundays is important. So I think it is good to have a culture where everyone's pitching in. Um, and there's, as you've said, there are all sorts of ways to do that, from from setting up to to leading, singing, to uh, you know preaching. Uh, and there's all sorts of other things. I wonder if part of our job as leaders is helping people to see how all those different jobs matter and how they contribute to to. Mm the work of the church you know like you just said about about sound um i can remember listen uh, i remember listening to a theologian who who's also a musician who was talking about the, the the pa person and how their job is to it, it's enabling people to hear the gospel mm -hmm. um and likewise with people setting up chairs they're, they're setting up viewpoints for the gospel to be seen and heard and so I think just helping people to, to see that, uh, that, mm. that no, no job is, is kind of small and trivial and unimportant. Mm. Uh, everything that we're doing uh, in, in our gathered worship is, is hopefully contributing to uh, the work of the gospel. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a church leader, um, kind of the way in which we speak to and speak about people and the different wrongs is crucial. Um, and that sense of thankfulness and honoring those who serve and give of themselves, I, I think it's hugely important. It's very easy, I think, often um, uh, either to uh, just do it publicly, um, uh, where um, uh, everyone, you know, there, there's some sort of uh, signaling to the rest of the world, uh, church, oh yeah, look, we're, we're thanking these people. But actually it's important for us to do it, you know, in the quiet, you know, individually, personally. Um, but then also the, the danger is that we only uh, recognize and thank those who do very public things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually there's so many things that happen kind of informally. A lot of the pastoral care and relationships, um, you, you know, there are a couple of individuals that uh, pop into my mind who spend so much time making phone calls, visiting people, uh, and only a very small handful of people know that in the life of the church. But actually, let's encourage them uh, and let's thank them and honor them in, in their ministry and in their service, even if it's not kind of visible and outward. Yeah, that, that's really important. Thanks, Leslie. Uh, I, years ago, I used to help out at this uh, this church camp, this summer camp down south. And I went over to do kind of some, some kids work for them. And I did about three years in a row. And, and the vicar at the end of the week would always write me this handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, you know, a card. It was like full of text, both sides and very specific things, like things that he'd noticed or appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's that's a way to thank people. And he yeah. did it publicly as well. And, and it wasn't just for, for me. It was for all those serving all on the team. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and that's powerful because that's that's exactly what our Heavenly Father is like. Nothing is done in secret, you know, whether good or, uh, or evil. Uh, and everything that we do for him, uh, he sees and he knows. Uh, and yes, of course, we will say, you know, I've only done you know, what has been asked for me. I'm just a humble servant. You know, I, I'm not doing it for your praise. And yet we do long to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servants. And he does see and he does hear all those things. Um, and I think that is the great reward for, for faithful saints um uh, that he will uh, uh joyfully receive us into his kingdom as as those who have served him well um and, and so to to echo something of that in our um uh, you know the taste of heaven we were talking about earlier let's give people a taste of that by saying you know uh, let us thank you in the way that the father uh, in a sense honors uh, uh, your work as well you yeah. Completely. I actually think this is a really important point because I think um you know you you should not go into especially upfront ministry um to receive the thanks of people and mm. um, absolutely not but i do think we need barnabases in the church those sons of encouragement um i know just from my own experience like it's just it's it's wonderful when you when you hear that encouragement or you hear specific ways in which the lord has spoken through you to people uh, yeah. so i really encourage people to encourage your leaders uh, those serving you with, with with those words of encouragement yeah definitely listen we've been in uh lockdown uh in in various uh ways over the best part of, of a year and it's been a challenging time for the church you know some of the things that we would normally do eating together communion mm. hugging one another uh, we've just not been able to do uh, here in Manchester, basically all but three weeks of the last since that March, we've not been able to do those those things, and it's been really, really tough. 
but there's also been lessons to, 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 to be learned as well. Uh, and I mean, we touched on this a little bit already, but I think one of the things that lockdown has, has forced churches to ask is what's essential? And I guess my question is, you know, what is essential to church life? And perhaps just to be a bit more specific, are there things that, that you as a, a, as a leader and with your churches have kind of stopped during lockdown? Um, and other things that you've actually taken up and that you will continue post lockdown mm. what is essential for church life yeah what's essential for church life i think uh, as you say a lot of things that we've touched on the simplicity of what god has called us to um we love grand schemes uh, we love uh, fancy new words and acronyms and ideas uh, and new projects uh, which so often actually old projects just renamed anyway uh, but but the joy of what jesus calls us to is uh, living that simple life of trust of faith in him uh, and and uh, our task i guess is to remember and to hold on to that god's ideas and god's plans are, are really the best plans and, and and they really do work um one of the things that lockdown has done for us i think is highlighted our human weakness our human frailty um uh, it's uh, in our modern 21st century thinking, there's talk of colonizing planets and moons and stuff. And we say, oh yeah, we're so great as human, uh, as humans and we can do so much. And yet actually <laughs> uh, we can barely you know, feed ourselves at times. Uh, we can uh, barely survive, uh, let alone you know, trying to conquer the universe. Uh, and, and so I think it's been really important, really helpful to have that highlighted to us that, that we're weak, uh, we're frail, uh, and ultimately, our, our needs uh, as humans are, are, are very simple. Uh, we need Jesus. Uh, we need the life of the church. Uh, we need uh, the family of God. Um, uh, and not just we need it, but but that's what the world needs. Uh, it can chase after all these other things. It can pursue uh, distractions. Uh, but ultimately, what we need is Jesus and, and what he has to offer. And so in terms of kind of lessons going forward, I think um, uh, for us, a big part of it is that stripping back of distractions and uh, of, of the temptation to pursue uh, exciting things uh, or worldly exciting things anyway. Uh, and uh, just going for let's let's share love with one another. Uh, we're going to value, I think, much more and we must hold on to just shared life together uh, we must hold on to um you know what the world would just call you know uh, little acts of kindness uh, but which we would say is this is love sacrificial love where we really put the other person first and their needs above our own let's love in that way uh, and let's speak of uh, the day when jesus returns and, and when all things are made new you know whatever little kingdoms we build up and whatever little uh, houses we put together uh, they can and they will all fall and crumble. Uh, and, and this has been highlighted to us. So, so let's hold on to kind of that eternal, secure uh, uh, hope uh, of, of Christ. And and I think in terms of church activity, uh, the, the opportunity now is that a lot of things have stopped. What, what are we going to restart? Uh, and as we ask that question as a church, um, a big part of the, the questioning and the, the thinking is, you know, what are we what are we trying to do? We're not here just to uh, entertain. Uh, we're ju not just here to even be, be nice to other people, uh, but actually we're here to offer them Jesus. Uh, and so let's look at all these uh, things that we do 
And, um, you, you know, not, not that every single last activity has to um, have some explicit proclamation of, you know, we've got to have an opportunity to say something, you know, a preach or a sermon or whatever, but actually it does need to feed into our mission and our goal and aim as a church, which is to grow the kingdom of God, uh, which is to exalt the name of Jesus and to show other people what he is like. Uh, love without Jesus, you know, is that really truly love? Uh, we we want to show people uh, who he is and what he's like. So, so I think those are the sorts of lessons that we're we're learning. Is that um, yeah, Jesus really is enough, um, uh, and we don't need all these fancy other bits and bobs. Uh, but let's hold to the purity of the gospel, uh, 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 speaking uh, of him to others. Thanks, Leslie. Yeah, and you know this this question of what is essential is is important has been highlighted. Even in some of the rules, you know, I, I think there was one set of um, well guidance that came out that said, well, church buildings must be closed for worship, but they can remain open for food banks. And, and uh, well, it was, it was phrased, they can re be, re remain open for essential activities such, yeah, such as and uh, food banks. And of course, we want to say, uh, you know, we want to feed, we want to feed the hungry. Uh, you know, we worship a God who gave his blood for others. You know, we're about blood donation. Um, mm. But actually our worship and our, 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 our social action or whatever you want to call it, um, our, our compassion and our care go hand in hand, don't they? Mm. Um, and and you, you cannot, really, you can't do one without the other. True and authentic worship is going to lead to yeah. sacrificial service. Um, and uh, you know and uh, they go they go together so really yeah really important to be yeah and they go together in, in uh, kind of in fueling it as well i was talking to a friend who, who works in in uh, icu and uh, she's saying uh, that in the first lockdown they were inundated with gifts and messages of goodwill and encouragement for the nursing uh, and the nhs staff uh, and this third lockdown they, they've had barely any of it um and uh, because we love kind of the adrenaline and the excitement of these new things and new ideas but actually christian service and mission and uh, love towards others is fueled not by you know um excitement and adrenaline it's fueled by our worship mm -hmm. so as we worship then we will continue to be able to do those things so that in six months time in a year's time in two years time we'll still be continuing those acts of service uh, of sacrificial giving and caring for others uh, long uh, after the world has forgotten about it it's, it's come off the new cycle whatever we've moved on to the next thing but as christians we want to say no we still worship god and that worship still leads to service um uh, and so yeah very much those two go hand in hand you can't have one without the other otherwise it would just fizzle and fade away absolutely and i mean th this podcast uh is called the didache podcast and it's kind of named, it's named after this early Christian document. I'd encourage people to read it actually, because you see there some of what the, the, the church's worship was like in those early centuries and what the service was like. And I think just one encouragement is nothing's changed, you know, for authentic churches. You've been doing this stuff for thousands of years. And you're absolutely right. We live in a very faddy age. You know, things come and go. Uh, all the time fashions come and go but the church the, the true church is just remaining faithful getting on with the ordinary people doing these predictable practices and I think what's what's helpful with uh, just this the, the last few points you're making is that you know when we're talking about gathered worship uh, and coming together and needing the people of God we're not talking about isolating ourselves 
uh, and we're not talking about indulging ourselves as individuals. It, it, we're talking about filling ourselves with Jesus and with his spirit so that we can love one another and so that we can reach the world uh, for Christ. Yeah, it's definitely this overflowing, isn't it? Uh, as, as the ordinary people of God overflow with God's love. And it is the ordinary people. <clears throat> uh, it, it's uh, to go back to that point, uh, one of the points that we kind of uh, touched on earlier. Um, the people of God in your church are the people that God has called to that place. And that is enough. Um, it's so easy to compare and to contrast and think, oh, well, that church is doing that. And they've got all these um, uh, resources of people and, and whatever else. But, but that's okay because that's what God has given to that place at, at this time. What has God put in your place at this time? And what people has the Lord put in uh, in that place? It's so easy, I think, for us to lament and think, oh, no, if only God would give us this or that sort of a person. As if God had somehow made a mistake or that he's not powerful enough to, to provide for our needs. Um, and and I, I can see that in myself as a, as a church leader. I think, oh, if only we had someone who you know was able to do this and had a heart for this. The Lord knows what he's doing. Uh, he has put people in places and at times um, uh, that the world might reach out and know that he's God. And, and, and so he's given us all that we need. That Your church um, has the people that God wants there. And we just need to equip, encourage, build up so that we would live more and more the life of Jesus. And, and, and that is uh, the way in which the world will be changed and transformed. Um, so, yeah, God knows what he's doing. Crazy. Absolutely. Glory. And really, I, maybe I could just offer a, a, a cheeky challenge there just on staffing and you know sometimes I think you know obviously there are there are good reasons to to have, have staff in churches but I'd want to also just put the other side like uh, in our churches I mean I'm the only um, uh, paid member of staff but everything else happens to kind of lay lay leaders and people just take an initiative and, and, and sometimes I think we can be like like you say what we need here is a youth and children's worker and um, we're going to raise you know whatever it is 20 grand or whatever it's in order to get that person then that will be fixed but maybe just to think is there someone in or a few people in the church family that we've got that we can be raising up and equipping and training for that for that ministry i think yeah yeah definitely and we see that in the, in the bible that kind of both aspects of it of paul and the apostle sending uh, people to to serve and to help in another church so, so yeah like i say we're not we're not speaking against that um uh, but within churches uh, god has put people there uh, who who maybe don't have the skills and the gifts and the abilities but they've got the heart or, or maybe they don't even yet have the heart well show them jesus uh, so that they grow this love for the lord and and they desire to serve him uh, and uh, you know if it's right to pay them because a work is worth their wages then do it but you don't have to import someone in uh, although that can be a, a good option as well uh, you know trust that the lord has provided the people that you need at this time in this place uh, to serve him well absolutely I, I think that actually helps with uh, thinking about calling sometimes you know i have conversations with people I even think myself like what, what, what am I called to and of course when you think like that you're like well there's millions of options in the world and especially well not in lockdown but in normal times it's like I, I can travel anywhere in the world basically and mm. um, you know I could plant a church anywhere in the world and um, you know and there's options and I think in a way that's kind of there's something exciting about that, but there's also something very dangerous about that. Mm. 
I think I'd want to say to myself in those situations and perhaps other people who are thinking, what, what am I called to? It's like, well, who's in your church family? And who are the people that God's put into your life right now? Yeah. Whether that's in your workplace, in your family, on your street. Um, that's what you're called to. And you're called to be Jesus, be like Jesus in that situation and offer people Jesus in those situations with the help of your church family um i think that's quite liberating yeah definitely it's not just the big grand uh, worldly things uh, that we look for but jesus he, he just takes weak people uh, mm -hmm. in unspectacular places doing little day-to-day -day things uh, and that's how he's changed the world um of course there are going to be the big names uh, but for every big name there are hundreds there are thousands of christians uh, who will be uh, uh, who, who will then meet in heaven and uh, we'll be like oh what did you do and we'll hear about it and be like oh it was it was just a few things but you did it with a great heart for the lord and you changed lives in that place uh, for the glory of christ and, and yeah wonderful I, I, we've got to hold on to that i think rather than uh, uh, otherwise we're, we're just looking really with worldly eyes uh, with worldly wisdom absolutely brilliant leslie thank you just one, one final question then, again, on, on lockdown and leadership, because I don't know about you, but there's been, for me, you know, there's been some real joys of this past year and definitely many lessons learned, but there's been some challenges as well and frustrations. I mean, uh, you alluded earlier to uh, kind of expectations that you perhaps put on yourself to, to phone everyone and that not you know, being possible, recognising your own limitations, which is a good thing. Um, but some of those ordinary things that I, I'd want to do as a, as a, as a leader uh, have been more challenging and um, especially here in Manchester because we can go for walks and stuff but the, the rain's so bad that often things get cancelled but what, what have been some of the the, uh, the lessons that you've learned as a leader throughout lockdown that you, you're hoping to take forward? Uh, yeah lessons as a leader um um yeah, you got me stumped. I, I thought I'd have something to say, but I don't. <laughs> um, uh, as a leader, I think a, a big part of it is um, trusting others. Um, you know, because for all we've said about equipping and enabling others, you know, uh, our, uh, my human heart, anyway, leads very much to um, self um uh, managing things myself and I can cope and I can do things. Um, and, and I think, yeah, just relinquishing that, uh, and entrusting myself to the Lord and entrusting the church, uh, to him. Um, and so I think those ideas of, um, uh, enabling others, uh, in the church to, to work together, um, because otherwise, you know, so much of uh, the concern for Christian leaders at this time and for, for congregations for their leaders is, is burnout. Uh, but why? <laughs> why do we get burnt out? Surely Christian leaders should be able to do sustainable ministry. Uh, and th the way we do that is when we don't take the burden of responsibilities all on ourselves, as if I will build the church and I will uh, achieve you know whatever it is that i feel I, i've got to do for, for for god's people at this time uh but but i think a, a big part of it is about just saying you know this is the, the lord's church um uh, and uh, if he is good which he is if he is sovereign uh, which he is he has put the the church 
globally and nationally, but, but also our church. He has put our church in this situation at this time. Uh, and, and he uh, surely has uh, in his wisdom uh, and in his grace, uh, uh, the ability uh, and the resources in order to sustain us and strengthen us to do that. So, so I think that's probably the biggest thing is just saying, you know what, relax a little bit maybe. <laughs> Uh, don't don't uh, think that uh, you've got to do it all. Don't think that you can do it all. Um, it, it's not good for you, and it certainly won't be good for the church. Um, uh, and so yeah, maybe maybe slightly repetitive, but really that just um, this is the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is His people and His bride, and He will not let His bride fall um, because He He loves her. Absolutely, absolutely. Amen to that do just just i do want to pick up on that and just again help us to understand and see what that looks like for you like for example how, how do you i mean you've told us you've got five kids and two churches uh, what are some of the, the patterns that you have in place as a christian minister that enables you to uh keep going and to avoid burnout um oh man um patterns for that uh, i think um being less demanding i think of others um i think is is maybe that's not so much pattern but i, I think that that is um certainly for me and i uh, i think in some of my conversations with others uh we often just have very high expectations um and I think it's tied to the fact that we're worried that if we fail or we mess up, um, that things will go wrong. Mm. Um, which on one level, I guess, is kind of true. But on a much more significant level, actually, who do I think I am that I could mess up the church? Um, so I say, I think it's less of a pattern, more of a kind of uh, uh, a regular reminder to myself is that, you know, I, I'm not that important in the best sense of it. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, we're, we're not doing false humility or, or, you know, putting ourselves down or, or, or um, you know, looking for someone to say, oh, they're there, Leslie, you know, it's okay. You really are. But no, genuinely, I'm not that important. I am a precious child of the living God. And because I'm a precious child, he will not burden me with anything more than I can bear. You know, I take the yoke of Jesus upon me. And, and I think, what that leads to is a pattern of being able to say you know what if i can't do something i can't do something and and if, if something is too much uh, th that's okay you know let's look to the church because the church has the resources i don't have the resources let's look to the church let's ask for help from them let's ask for help from the wider church because we are connected as one family with the broader uh, uh, uh christian family um and uh, you know, we, people talk a lot about self-care and taking time off. I, I, I guess, I don't know if that, that in and of itself is so important, but I think this uh, um, concept of, well, I'm not that important. It's okay if I can't do it, frees me to say, you know what, there's any numbers of things that I could be pursuing at this moment, but this is time to have a rest now. And, and if I don't do it, and even if it doesn't get done, you know, the world's not going to fall apart and the church isn't going to fall apart because Jesus is holding the church together. Jesus has got this, um, you know, and, and he's called me to serve. Uh, and so I'll serve, but trusting always that he's in control. He's going to uh, look after his church um, and, and I just need to do what I'm called to do. No more, uh, but no less as well. 
A great reminder. Thanks, Leslie, and, and thanks so much uh, for for all that you've contributed, and uh, you know much much to mull upon and reflect upon in that. Um, and thanks everyone for watching or listening, and do tune in for for another of these in the future. Thanks, Leslie. Cheers, Sam. Thanks all. <laughs>